Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Acts chapter number one. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, Acts chapter one is where we are. Sunday mornings, on the last five Sunday mornings, we've been going through our our series on dangerous prayers. And uh, man, that's been a helpful series. I hope that it's challenged you, uh, whether you've been here in person or online. I hope the series has been something that has provoked you to say, I want my prayer life to go deeper. Because the truth is uh, that every single believer, every single one of us, the relationship with us and the Lord can always be strengthened in the area of our prayer life. There's two things, really three things, I think that we've said since uh, starting the church. There's three things that every believer can grow in all the time. Number one is reaching people with Christ. Number two is my growing in Christ, my prayer life. And then that third way is growing in my time in the word of God. Three areas that every believer can just continually grow in. I was telling one young man today, we'll never reach the pinnacle in those areas. And so that was kind of the premise of those five messages on Sundays. Because the fact of the matter is this, that prayer is something that a lot of believers that we've fouled up because we pray simply. We pray very, uh, just very simple prayers. Oftentimes, Christians pray too safe, right? We pray very generic prayers, safe prayers, just uh, God bless, bless the day, you know, bless, bless the trip. We're not specific on Lord I'm praying for this appointment today. I pray that you would work in this appointment. We're not specific. So we, we pray safe. We pray simple. And then a lot of times as Christians, we pray scared. We pray, we pray scared. You say, what does it mean to, be, to pray scared? To pray scared is to really not ever step out of our comfort zone to pray things that if God doesn't answer, we're okay with. You see, a lot of us, we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable in our prayer life. Uh, you know, I'm thinking if, if someone gets sick, we don't want to pray, God, heal them, because what if God doesn't? If there's financial hurt, we don't want to pray, God, provide the finances for this, because what if God doesn't? And so sometimes we pray scared. Now, I understand, again, there's a lot of times if someone, uh, someone does get sick, we pray the generic, God, bless, God, God, heal them, and we just, but if it's not your will. And, and we kind of we throw that little clause in there. And again, we should be submissive to the will of God. And there's still time, there's gonna be times in my life when I'm still gonna pray that. God, if this isn't your will, help, it to, help, it, help, help me to understand that and grow with it. But I'm saying all of it to help us understand that our prayer life sometimes uh, is pretty shallow. And so that's why we've looked at that the last few weeks. And tonight we're going to, uh, we're going to come in to really just talking about prayer and talking about the, the area of prayer and just focus upon the importance that prayer can play and should play in the life of a Christian, even a child. I kept the children in here tonight because I think kids can learn to pray. As a matter of fact, I think probably some of the best prayers in a church are kids. Oh, it's not the most eloquent sometimes, but kids pray from the heart, don't they? Kids pray from the heart, God, here's my request, and, and they just throw it out there. And you know what? It's good for kids to hear about prayer. And so tonight, we're all going to hear about this together. And so Acts chapter number one, 
As you come to it, of course, what's taking place? Jesus' ministry uh, is completed. Jesus has just gone to the cross. He has been crucified. He has been buried. He rose from the dead. And actually, he has been ministering and speaking to people for 40 days. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3, it says that he, uh, he was seen of the people of 40 days. And so we know what's taking place. But as you come to the middle or the, the, the first part of Acts, you find Jesus, Acts 1-8, ascending up into heaven. Right, Acts 1, 8, and 9, he gives that great commission that we find in Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16 and here in Acts chapter number 1, the great commission of go into all the world. Verses 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there, what we find taking place is angels appearing, right? Because Jesus ascends in verse 9. Verse 10, the angels appear and they're like, what are you guys doing gazing up to heaven? I don't know about you, but I would still be gazing up to heaven too. Like if you saw, I mean, we've already watched, you know, if you're a disciple, you've already seen the, the resurrection, you know about the crucifixion, everything took place there. But now you're thinking, all right, he's going to set up the millennial king. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to reign and rule and we're going to be with him forever. And then all of a sudden you're speaking to him one day and he just starts floating and ascending up to heaven. Uh, I don't know, gravity's coming to your mind thinking he's got to come back down. You know, so what are they thinking? They're just staring. They're staring in awe, and the angels appear. And the angels say, why are you staring? Why are you gazing up into heaven? The very same Jesus, the, the same way he went up is the same way he's coming back down. He's going to come back down, and he's going to set his feet upon this mount again, the Mount of Olives, where they were. And that brings us to where the disciples were. Jesus' earthly ministry is officially over. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, all done. Jesus is gone, what do you do? You're a disciple, you're a, follower of, you're a follower of Christ. He's been teaching all of these things and he said, I'm gonna send the Holy Ghost unto you and you're gonna receive power to be a witness for me and then he just leaves. What would you do? In that very moment, what I want us to see tonight is I believe that the church there at Jerusalem, the believers at Jerusalem, they give us a great example of what you and I should do every day. And it's simple. They understood that without Jesus present here with me, I've got to seek his presence in me. I've got to just continually tap into the strength that he has. And I want you to notice with me what they did. Acts chapter one and verse number 14. Acts 1, 14, notice what it says. It says, these all, all the disciples, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. That phrase continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, it means this. It means that they came to a unanimous agreement to earnestly seek God and make requests of him. That's what that phrase means. That they came to a unanimous agreement to earnestly seek God and make a request of him. Hey, we don't know what to do. And maybe one of them says, hey, let's just, uh, let's just pray. Hey, let's just talk to God. And so they all, with one accord, unanimously, they say, that's, that's what we should do. Let's go to God in prayer. And what we find happening next is truly a miraculous work 
But I believe that what contributed to the event that we're gonna see taking place was the fact that they unanimously agreed, hey, we need to seek God because we can do nothing without him. Tonight, we're gonna take that simple thought and understand just one point. I'm gonna give you the one point of the message right now, and I've given it to you before. When God's people pray, God works. That's just a simple point. When God's people pray, God works. So we're gonna look at this tonight and then pray together for our community Sunday. So let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Dear God, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I'm just thankful again for how you use it to help us. Lord, I pray that tonight that we would once again just be drawn into your throne. Father, that we would realize the need to meet with you and the need that we have just to be submitted and surrendered to you, to know that we, we just need you to work. Lord, I know that often as individual Christians, we can carry the load. We can go through life feeling like we can handle it. God, I pray that tonight would be a reminder that we can't and that when we pray, that you show up and you work. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak into my life and through me tonight and challenge us in the avenue of prayer. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at prayer tonight, I just, again, I bring that thought up, that God works when his people pray. When God's people take time to talk with the Lord, that God often shows up. And I would actually rephrase it, God always shows up. He always works when his people pray. If you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time, then you know that prayer is something that is important to the heart of God. We're taught in scripture about different ways to pray, different reasons to pray, different things to pray. We're taught about different times to pray, different ways to pray of, of a, a how to go to God in the closet or, or a corporate prayer, personal prayer. We learn about a lot of that stuff. Uh, it's just really, it's all throughout the word of God, pray. Prayer, talking with God, bringing my request to him, uh, praising him for who he is, seeking his direction in my decisions. Really, the instruction of prayer, it's all throughout the Bible. But there's a common thread accompanying the instruction on prayer, and that common thread is the fact that God works when we obey and pray. God works when we pray. Take, for instance, our passage here in Acts chapter 1. Again, Jesus has just ascended. These early believers, they didn't know what to do. And so they unanimously came together and said, we need to seek God and make a request of him. That's what we read in Acts chapter one and verse number 14. But notice what happens in verse number 15. Verse 15, we read this. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, uh, the phrase in those days, it's pointing to the days of prayer. In the time, in that time period, so they were, they were meeting. They had met, uh, of course, Jesus already ascended, so now they're just in the upper room. There's 10 or 12 days there that they don't know what is happening. They don't know what is taking place, and so what are they doing? In those days, they're just praying. And so in those days, during that time, Peter stood up. What did he do? He stood up, and you read about him saying, hey, we need somebody to take Judas's spot. We need somebody else, and so they vote on Matthias, and Matthias comes into that office. And then what we find taking place is that right after they begin uh, that leadership meeting saying who's gonna help lead us, Acts chapter two takes place. 
And in Acts chapter two, they're still in the upper room. They're still, they're still spending time with God. And the Bible tells us that the famous day of Pentecost happens, that the Holy Spirit comes down upon them and gives them this incredible gift of tongues uh, where now they can speak and other people hear them in their own language. But what happens in uh, Acts chapter number two is truly a miracle because not only do we see the tongues play taking place, but we see Peter getting up and preaching the gospel to every single person that was listening that day. And we know there's multiple thousands of people there. I've done the messages. We've done it, uh, of course, our series through Acts uh, years ago. But of the people that were there that day, you would have Roman soldiers, the very people that crucified Jesus. You would have the Pharisees, the very men that arrested Jesus. You would have uh, uh, perhaps Judas's family. Uh, you, you can only imagine all the different types of people that would have been there on the day of Pentecost because Peter gets up and he says, hey, you have crucified him. Hey, you betrayed him. Hey, you're the one who did this. And maybe at the time he was pointing to a Pharisee. Maybe at the time he was pointing to one of those Roman, Roman guards and saying, hey, you're the one who beat him. And man, what courage Peter had that day. But I want you to notice the result of what took place. Turn over in your Bible, if you would, to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 down through verse number 41. Acts 2, 37 through 41. Notice what it says. It says, now when they, who's they? Everybody that was listening. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Man, they were convicted. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Saying, hey, repent. Repent and you'll receive forgiveness. Then he says, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So, on this day of on this time after Jesus' ascension, what did the people, what did the disciples do? They unanimously agreed. We've got to come together, seek God, and make requests of him. And what did God do? God showed up on the day of Pentecost. And thousands of people trusted him as Savior. You know what? That's God working after his people prayed. It's God working after his people prayed. I want you to think about some other times in the book of Acts when we see this taking place. Acts chapter number three, or Acts chapter number four. You can turn there if you'd like, but Acts chapter four, verse number 31. It reads this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter four, um, you go to Acts chapter three and you find uh, that Peter and John are now going to be facing some persecution because of, of healing that lame man outside of the temple. And so uh, they begin to face persecution. And what does the church do? The church comes together and they pray. That's Acts 4.31. They just come together when they had prayed. They just come together and they pray. And what happens? The place literally is shaken. I believe it's a literal shaking that, that, that took place there. And we find that the place is, is shaken. And what happens? It says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost 
And then they spake the word of God with boldness. They're facing persecution. And yet they spoke the word of God with boldness. When most people face persecution, the, the character trait to define them afterwards is fear, right? But not, not after these believers prayed. They prayed and God gave them boldness to speak. Notice what else took place. Verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as uh, were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What took place? God's people prayed, and then we find God's people met needs. Man, all the needs were met. What else took place? Oh, there was a man, his name Joseph. His name was Joseph. We would call him Barnabas. It's during this time, and think about it, those of you that that, uh, maybe have read the book of Acts, it's during this time that God God got a hold of Barnabas' heart. It's during this time that a man named Joseph says, I have more, I have more that I could offer. Well, we know Barnabas because in Acts chapter number uh, 12, 13, and 14, he's used of God to go and get a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, and disciple him. And then God uses Barnabas to go and help Paul on his missionary journeys to plant churches in the first missionary journey. Second missionary journey, Barnabas and John Mark go out and they continue to plant churches. Say, pastor, what are you pointing out? I'm pointing out that God's people prayed. God showed up. He gave them boldness to preach. He met needs. And then he worked in people's hearts that would later go into ministry that would later be used to give the gospel. Now we inherit some of the blessings of the ministry of Barnabas and of Paul. Listen, when God's people pray, God works. There's results. There's other places in scripture you can think about. Acts chapter number 12, verse number five, Peter's in prison. And it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So Peter's been arrested. The church there, they they go to pray. And what we find taking place, Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 12, you know the story. The angel comes in and wakes Peter up and says, hey, wake up. Peter's thinking it's a dream. And the angel literally wakes Peter up and walks him outside and through all the different gates of the, uh, the place that he was being held, that prison that he was being held, past all the different guards, And then finally they get outside of the outer gate onto the main street and Peter comes to and realizes, oh, that wasn't a dream. I really got set free. God really did a miracle opening, I mean, loosening my chains and opening the gates. And Peter goes to where they're having a prayer meeting, knocks on the door and that little girl, Rhoda, she answers the door and she goes back. She's so excited. She says, hey, Peter's at the door. And they said, no, it's his ghost. Surely they killed him. They've already already taken care of him. And finally, she convinces someone and that person goes and sure enough, it's Peter. 
But I don't believe that it's just a, a small little detail that, oh, by the way, they were praying. I want you to know Acts chapter 12, verse five is there to let us know, hey, God showed up because his people prayed. Results happen when God's people seek him. Acts chapter 16, verse number 25 Paul and Silas, second missionary journey to Philippi. We're going through Philippians, just started Sunday night and we talked a little bit about it, but they're going they're, they're there in Philippi and God uh, uses them in a great way, but because of casting out the a demon of a demon-possessed girl that the, the people were profiting from, Paul and Silas get thrown in jail. And what do, they do? what do they do in jail? They sing praises, but they also pray. They just go to God. And what happens next? Place is shaken jail doors open. Paul and Silas are able to walk out. They don't, but God uses that. And what is the result of their prayer? Well, they get out of jail, but the Philippian jailer trusts Christ. They go, and I believe the church is started at the house of Lydia or the house of of the Philippian jailer, and God would use the church at Philippi. We're learning on Sunday nights. God would use them to encourage Paul in an absolutely needed way during Paul's, uh, one of Paul's deepest times of, of hurt. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, hey, listen, nobody else encouraged me during this trial but you guys. That's a result of the fact that God's people prayed. You see, there's long-lasting results that we could never know simply because of prayer. When God's people pray, God works. You say, well, pastor, I've prayed before. And I didn't see God work. I want to say this, that it is proven through the word of God that when God's people pray, God works. It's just that sometimes he works a way different than what we prayed. And those are the hard times because those are the times that we find where our faith can either grow to say, God, I trust you in spite of, or we can fall back and say, I knew it didn't work. Did you know there's times in the word of God that people prayed and things didn't go the way you probably would have planned out? How about a great character? His name's Daniel. Daniel chapter six. Praying didn't go too well for him. Why, what took place? Notice with me, and if you have a Bible, you can turn there to Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing, that decree, that if you pray to anybody except for Nebuchadnezzar, or except for the, uh, not Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Darius, if you pray to anybody that you're going to be thrown into the lion's den, when Daniel knew that, he went into his house, And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men, those accusers that were trying to get Daniel, they assembled. They found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And so they go before the king. But verse number 11, verse 10 and 11, man, Daniel's praying. He's doing the same thing he's done forever. He's just praying. Well, what's the result of his prayer request? What's the result of his prayer time? Verse 12, 
They came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. And they said, Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, this, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Hey, you've made this, you've made this decree, king, and, and Daniel is going against it. Verse 16, then the king commanded, they brought Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I would say that in this moment, now you and I, we know the rest of the story. Daniel didn't know the rest of the story. I wonder if in that moment, Daniel said, shouldn't have prayed. I wonder if in that moment, Daniel said, I should have shut my windows. I wonder if in that moment, Daniel thought to himself, I've always heard that prayer worked because in that moment, it would probably seem like prayer's not working. He gets thrown in the lion's den. Well, we know the story. What happened? The mouths of the lions were sealed up. Mouths of the lions were sealed up and Daniel stayed overnight. And it, I mean, it's an awesome story. The next day, the king comes and, and says, hey, are you, are you alive down there? And Daniel looks up and says, yep. Still doing good. I snuggled with, snuggled with Chewy here. I don't know what they named the lion. Chewy just came to me. I'm, I'm snuggled, snuggled with the lions last night. The king pulls him out and throws the accusers in. And before, scripture says, before they even hit the ground, that their bones were broken and they were devoured. But that's not where the story stops. Verse 25 of the same chapter, after, Dian, after Daniel's out of the lion's den, it says, then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. Here's what he wrote. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall, uh, and, his, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Listen, I know that in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 16, Daniel might have thought prayer isn't worth it. But by Daniel chapter 6, verse number 25, Daniel knew when God's people pray, God works. See, it didn't get answered the way that Daniel wanted it to, but at the end of the story, man, God showed up and God received the glory. Let me give you one last time that prayer maybe seemed like it didn't work. It was in a garden 2,000 years ago. And there's a young man who was 33 years old. He hadn't done anything wrong. By now, you know, I'm already talking about Jesus. And he's going, and what did he do in that garden? He prayed. 
What was his prayer? Oh, his prayer was very specific. Oh, his prayer was not safe. Oh, his prayer, it wasn't, it wasn't simple. No, his, his prayer was deep. His prayer was from a heart. His prayer was very real. What was his prayer? Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, he went a little further and he fell on his face. He was sincere. When he fell on his face, he prayed. The prayed here is a very similar wording, I believe, that would be used in, in our passage in Acts. It means with everything that was within him, unanimously within himself, he cried out to God. And what did he pray? He prayed, oh, my father, if it's possible, if it's possible, here's my request. Let this cup pass for me. God, I don't want to, I don't want to go through this. This is him as a man speaking as a human being saying, I, I, I can't do this. And yet in that moment, he prayed in submission and said, nevertheless, because he knew, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In that moment, his prayer request was, God, please, please don't let this happen. What was the result of his prayer request? Luke 23, 33, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. You know, the disciples could have said prayer didn't work. Right? They were there that night. Jesus came and said, hey, can't you watch with me? The, the watch was, can't you pray with me? Don't you know? And he, he sweat great uh, drops of blood that came out of his pores. And Jesus in that moment said, guys, can't you pray? They could have said right after the crucifixion, <laughs> his prayer didn't work. And yet we know the rest of the story. They do too. But at the time, they didn't. We know the rest of the story. What's the rest of the story? Well, the rest of the story is because of the actions of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, you and I can have forgiveness. We can have redemption. But in that moment of prayer, when Jesus was praying and he prayed those words, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He knew his foreknowledge as, as the, the sovereign God in the flesh. He knew. But those disciples that were there that day, they could have said, Prayer doesn't work. In all of these examples, and there's so many more, in all of them, it was a follower of God who met with God. And what did they do? What was their prayer? All of them are different requests. All of them were different time periods. But the common thread is this, that all of them went to God in prayer, surrendered. All of them went to God. Prayer is simply just saying, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. And this is the thought I, wanna, I want us to get into tonight is this thought that God works when his people pray because when his people pray, they are admitting, God, we need you. Whether it's a request, praying for wisdom, praying for direction, praying just, just worship or praise Whatever is taking, taking place in our prayer, when we in humility pray and seek him and his moving, God shows up and he works. 
Why? Because it's for him. It's all his glory. And we're told this time and time again in the word of God, Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And him that knocketh it shall be opened. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, If ye then, being evil, know how to give uh, good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit that grace and that strength and that wisdom through his presence to them that ask him? <clears throat> Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into your closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Why? Because he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. It's driven with the wind and tossed. But let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Listen, if I'm going to him in the simple, safe, and little secure prayers, that is not faith-filled praying. That is not specific praying that says, God, I need you. God, we need you to work. God, we've done a lot, but we need you to show up. God, I need your help in my family. God, I need your direction with this decision. God, I want your hand on my kids. God, I need you. I need you. God, I need you to show me your will in this. God, your will might not be to heal. I need you to show me that. God, I need you to give me peace. What are we doing when we pray? When we praise, when we worship in prayer, what, all, what is all of it? All of it is simply saying, God, I want to point to you. God, God, I want it to be done for you. Praying, it has many aspects to it. Praise, requests, wants, needs, submission, worship. But prayer is simply just coming to him. It's seeking him, seeking his involvement. Really, prayer, it's all about him. It's all about refocusing, recentering my heart on him. It has the purpose of surrender to him, his will, his plan, his purposes, and his desires. So I want to ask tonight, what could God do and really what would God do? if we as believers really sought him, stepped out of simple, safe, secure prayers and came to him and said, God, unanimously, we seek you. God, I, I need you. We should praise God through prayer. We should worship God. We should make requests to God. But all of it is simply just drawing my heart back to say, God, I need you. Asking a miracle of God. Asking God to do things that only he can do. Asking God to move in me and to work in me. Asking God to save the lost. Asking God to encourage believers. Asking God to restore relationships. Asking God to convict, challenge. Asking God to bring glory to himself. But all of it is just based upon that thought of prayer 
It's not about the praise, the worship, the request, the submission, the sanctification. It's not about all of that. Prayer is about me aligning my heart with him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.